Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Welcome everyone to a new episode of the Intuitive Revolution in Business. And this week we are on, um, uh, we are reviewing a book. Uh, you know, we have a four week cycle. But before I get on to the juicy book that I chose for today, I have a special announcement to make. I am running my five day, my signature five day challenge again. Um, to help you trust your intuition. So in only five days, I will take you probably from doubting your intuition and not sure even that you're intuitive to starting to trust your intuition again. This is a challenge that I've run already five times. Uh, it's incredibly popular and it's a lot of fun. And there's nothing like collective energy to support you to trust in your intuition. We will be doing fun activities that take um, only five day, five minutes a day. Sorry, not five day, five minutes a day to help you to trust your intuition again. We are all born with intuition. Uh, the problem is we are never, we never get trained in intuition in school. I was listening to an interview of Gay Hendricks um, yesterday, and he was saying that we are not trained or asked ever in our life, what is your zone of genius? Well, it's the same with intuition. Nobody puts the emphasis on intuition. So this five-day challenge will help you to get a little bit of training around, you know, what intuition is, how to best use it, what are the four steps to tune into intuition on demand, and what can you do on a daily basis to strengthen your intuition so that you can use it in business. I also want you to know, because this is something that I don't even think I've mentioned on this podcast before, is that if you sign up for my main newsletter, you will receive a quiz that will let you know if you, your intuition is strong enough to use to make uh, important business decisions. So I will add the link in the show notes so that you can find out if your intuition is strong enough. I think that's that's really important. Um, this will um, ensure um, that you know you don't go straight into making your biggest decisions with intuition, because although intuition um, is very useful, you want to make sure that you know how to distinguish between your intuition and your imagination, for example, or your intuition and your fears, because that's something that can happen. Fear is so good at shape-shifting and putting a mask on that sometimes it can actually mimic your intuition. So head over. Um, where can you find the link to sign up? Of course, I will add it to the show notes. Um, I'm talking about the quiz here. Um, so. I'll add it to the show notes, but you can actually um, find it on my website, www.theintuitiverevolution.co.uk. Scroll to the bottom of the page and there you are. 
Right. So now let's dig into today's book or this month's book, to be more precise, which is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Um, Gay Hendricks is quite lucky because I've already reviewed one of his books and I, I want to review his other book that just came out, which is called The Zone of Genius or The Genius Zone. Never remember which way, which way around. Uh, and that's going to be in four weeks time. And in the in between, on the 7th of uh, February, we will have the honor of having him on the podcast, which I'm super excited about. So The Big Leap is a classic in entrepreneur world in the sense that it's a book that everybody raves about because it gives you some tools with regards to mindset. And you know that in my epic framework, uh, the C is really uh, a mindset um, a mindset piece that talks about clarity, courage, and confidence. Um, but you can have all the clarity, confidence, and um, courage in the world. But if you have an upper limit, whenever you step into your genius zone, uh, something might crop up that will sabotage. You know how people say they sabotage themselves. And I want to start with my very, very first example in my own life, which for years I felt so ashamed of. And this shame kept me actually from being successful. So I had a relative level of success with one of my books. I got an agent. The agent was in touch with Ashette to get me a book deal. And I should said, oh, that's quite interesting. We would like her to write a second edition. And at that point, I was incapable of writing the second edition and I pulled out. Well, the reason was this book was a book about slimming and I had put some baby weight on after having my uh, fourth baby. And I felt like a fraud talking about slimming when I didn't um, like the way I looked and when I felt overweight. Now, this is, could be another whole subject uh, because I've actually decided that I am not selling this book anymore. Uh, I will write a sequel or an, a second edition, but it's going to be radically different from this one. But this is just an example of how the upper limit problem works. You know, my whole life, actually, I, I wrote a, a book for the first time in 1995, if I remember right, which was a novel in French, because back then I lived in my native town, which is Paris. And I pitched all sorts of agents and, uh, sorry, publishers, because in France there's no agents, and none of it worked. So I, I burned myself out trying to get a publisher, and I went into a 10-year writer's block where I couldn't write a single word. So come um, 2007, I trained in hip clinical hypnotherapy, and suddenly the floodgates of writing open again. Um, that was a wonderful side effect of my training. And, um, and two years later, I write The Journey of the Slim Soul, um, which I self-published. And then I got an agent in December 2012. Um, but I just couldn't, I suppose, stomach that level of success of having an agent and possibly a book deal. Frankly, I wasn't ready at all, if I look back with hindsight. Uh, so I sabotaged myself. So uh, the... The big leak talk about the upper limit problem. You might not have made the direct link between the title uh, and the upper limit. So my big leap was to write a book and to pitch an agent. And I used my intuition for that, which was phenomenal. But I think I've mentioned that before. 
but then I reached a point where I had exceeded my capacity for success. And so my subconscious, because it's never our, our consciousness that actually uh, drives our, our life, it's the subconscious, uh, stepped in and created a, a wall because it felt just too too scary, too big. Um, you know, I had all these beliefs about what it is to become a successful author. Uh, I had fears around my privacy being invaded. I had fears around not being able to deliver on time, about the pressure put on me as an author, all that sort of thing. So Gay's book, The Big Leap, is really a manual to help you remove the last obstacle to your ultimate success in wealth, work, and love, okay? And it applies at whatever level, whether you're just starting or whether you're insanely successful. It doesn't make any difference because the upper limit always upgrades. So once you pass a certain limit, it will come back again and again and again. It's a bit like money blocks, actually, that Denise Delfield Thomas talks a lot about. Uh, you know, they say new level, uh, new devil. So um, your, your subconscious will always be afraid of change, even if that change is positive, even if that change means uh, more prosperity, more success, more happiness. It's threatening because if you're used to, um, you know, face challenges, for example, okay, it's not pleasant, but you've survived it. So your uh, subconscious thinks that your current level of success is actually safe, whereas a higher level of success might not be safe at all. And so it puts all the blocks. And Gay gives an example quite early in his book about a day where he felt um, quite satisfied with himself and his career. He was at work. And um, he was feeling very happy. He had a lunch with a colleague or something. And, and just there was that level of satisfaction about his life. And then he started worrying about his daughter at summer camp. And, and he just couldn't help worrying. It's almost like because he felt so happy and his subconscious felt that his level of happiness was threatening to his own safety because it was unknown and maybe unusual, uncomfortable. Yes, success can be uncomfortable. Then his mind started to worry about something to bring the level of happiness down. And it worked a treat. Okay. And this can happen. This is what's really interesting on a macro level, but also uh, on, a, sorry, on a micro level. So on our level, individual, but also on a macro level. Think about the economy and how it goes up and down and up and down. There's like this economic growth and then there's a recession. It's like a cycle. Well, we have the same cycle, and I'm going to continue to um, go through the, the, the concepts of the books so that you can uh, know what you're looking for and, and work through it and so that you can continue. Because as you may or may not know that my ideal client is a brilliant entrepreneur that wants to create success on their terms. So the, the word success is ingrained in my ideal um, avatar profile. And that means that all of you uh, who are my ideal client, ideal audience will uh, thrive for that, will be ambitious, will want to do better, will want to make an impact, will want to maybe create inroads, um, achieve something that their parents and their ancestors have never achieved. And because of that, 
you're more at risk than people who just have, uh, you know, who are content with their um, their fate and who only do what has been done by other before. So before we continue, um, you know how there's always several versions of a book. Uh, you can get the Kindle, you can get the um, paperback, you can get uh, very sometimes the hardback, but also audio. I really recommend that you listen to the audio of this book because you will have the advantage of hearing Gay's voice. And personally, I find his voice wonderful, very soothing. And, and he's, um, he comes across as a, a really wonderful mentor. Okay. Um, so the book, the book's intent is to help you remove the last obstacle to your ultimate success. Okay, the last distance to claim your full potential. And that's his big mission in life, which I found quite endearing. Uh, what he mentions again and again, because he talks a lot, um, probably less than in the first book that I've already uh, reviewed on this podcast. And if you haven't listened to that podcast episode yet, I really encourage you to go back to The Corporate Mystics, because that's an amazing book. Uh, he says that the key element to success is an openness to learning. That means to always have an open mind, to learn new things, to um, grasp new concepts. And I suppose that that's what I'm doing by reviewing this book today. I'm proposing to you a new concept. And the new concept is that you have an upper limit and that if you exceed that upper limit of um, happiness, success, wealth, whatever, then uh, you might actually trip yourself to get back and keep in, in check. And that's also probably because of the tall poppy syndrome. You know, we don't want to stand out. We don't want to upset the apple cart. And we'll go into more detail later in this episode where I will explain to you, that I think it's four fundamental ways that we are afraid to be successful. So the, the limit, our upper limit is linked to how happy we have been before in our lives, okay? So you can always push the envelope on a regular basis and create a new upper limit. But when you hit that next level, um, the whole mechanism can kick into um, place again, okay? Uh, so... The first question to ask yourself is, do you feel an unrealized potential of success in yourself? And I know I certainly do. I am a very ambitious soul. Um, I always felt that I was here to leave a mark, to make an impact, to make a difference. And um, because of that, I know I'm the perfect candidate to the upper limit, right? So... Um, what is the upper limit? The upper limit is really a fear of happiness and it's linked to the way that your brain works. We have, um, I would call it an organ or a gland in our, our brain that's called the amygdala. And the amygdala is here to, it's called the fear center, the reptile brain, whatever you want to call. It's here to protect you from something that's dangerous. And I just mentioned a little bit earlier in this podcast, a concept that might make you smile, which is that sometimes happiness can feel dangerous, especially if you've been very happy and the upper limit has hit before, which means that you've reached the next level of happiness or success, and then something terrible happened. 
I think we all uh, have seen that happen to someone else or have had that happen to ourselves. So what will happen is if you reach a new level of happiness, success, wealth, or maybe health, uh, you can create consciously or subconsciously either an argument with your spouse, a sabotage behavior, maybe you'll become ill. I remember Tash Corbin, which was one of my business mentors, when she reached her next level of income in her business, she had the worst cold ever and she was in bed for, for days. And it can even be an accident. So even though I'm not, I'm still not a hundred percent sure that the accident that happened to me in March 2019 was an upper limit problem, it, it is quite um I'm gonna say disturbing, but I don't want it's maybe it's too strong. It's interesting the coincidence because I had had the best three months in my business ever. I had finally reached my income um, goals, which um, I had been thriving to achieve for, I would say, probably four to five years. And on the back of these three amazing months, I had a car accident that put me um, in such levels of pain that I was incapable of working for six months. So you might think, well, the car accident is not caused by you. And it's true. I wasn't the driver. And it was someone else who rammed their cars into, into us. But um, sometimes, you know, you're, you are more than just your, your body, your thoughts and what you do. Sometimes you attract. And, you know, I talk a lot about the law of attraction on this podcast. So was it something that I attracted? I haven't come to any solid conclusions, to be honest. But I know that the coach that I work with right on the back of that accident strongly believed this was my upper limit. Um, you might have your own story. And if you do, I would love for you to go and share it in my group, The Intuitive Revolution for Brilliant Entrepreneurs, because um, it's kind of inspiring to know that, um, you know, there are stories like that that happen. I would say it, it would be important to break the shame around it because we can feel ashamed about when we, um, when we have a failure on the back of a success. Now, I wanted to explore a little bit, and that's not something that is discussed in the book, but I think it's still relevant to the, our conversation, is what are the negative beliefs about being happy and successful? So I listed, um, um, you know, about 10 or, or a dozen of them. People will hate me, and that's because most people are miserable. I will lose all my friends. And that's kind of difficult. If you have friends that you've been complaining with or that have, uh, you know, gone through a certain um, challenge that is similar to yours and they're not out of the woods yet, but you you get to break through that, that, that word, so to speak, then you might be afraid to lose your friends because they will envy you. Uh, you could think also that it won't last. Happiness won't last. Success won't last. It's quite interesting because I looked into uh, the imposter syndrome because um, that's another thing that I, I'm really interested in. And, um, you know, you have these incredibly successful authors who maybe have multiple uh, best-selling um, books and they still are afraid that they're not going to be able to pull it off again. They're still afraid that it won't last and some sort of disaster will happen. And there's also plenty of stories that um, show that, you know, like for, for example, 
singers who have a, a you know a hit a big hit a single hit and who become incredibly rich but then burn their money and become actually worse off than after they've had their first um and there's an example that Gabe mentions in his book that I I find very very uh delightful in a way because I witnessed the whole um scandal when it happened um you can have a sex scandal on the back of being successful or something like that suddenly having an affair when it's not maybe even in your you know in your blood or in your habits and suddenly you feel this this urge to do something completely crazy you could also be afraid that people will demand things from you or that your health will suffer or your relationships or maybe your children Maybe you feel um, that you don't deserve this happiness and this success or that someone else deserves it better. You, maybe you're afraid that you will feel lonely or that will feel overwhelmed. And then the last one is maybe you're afraid of haters because there are people out there, and that is the truth, um, that hate on people who are successful and happy and, and who just, it's, you know, it almost it feels like it's their job to go and, and spoil the joy for other people. So you might be afraid that the more positive your life is, the more successful, the more of a burden it will become, okay? Uh, and I want to share an anecdote from the book that um, Gay um, um, writes about, which I find really interesting, uh, which is that when steam trains were invented, scientists were concerned that body, our body would explode. And he thinks it's the same with happiness. Maybe we are afraid that if we are too happy, we will explode. <laughs> so this is the problem. Yeah, we've set the problem. It's the upper limit. It kicks in when you um, exceed your usual level of happiness. Now, what is the solution? And the solution is, the, the question is, how can I increase my tolerance for happiness? Now, the very first thing to do, and I think Gay is very wise in, in talking about that, is to disconnect your happiness from external circumstances. So happiness should come from inside, should not depend on any outside circumstances. But what he also says is that happiness comes from stepping out of our zone of competence or excellence into our zone of genius. And I have an example from my own life um, that speaks to this. He says it's the only place where we can reach the ultimate level of success. Now, I was quite successful as a book coach, a transformational book coach, because um, I just explained how I got a book deal and how actually training in clinical hypnotherapy helped me discover a way to write books that felt almost effortless, which was the complete opposite of how I felt about writing books before I trained in clinical hypnotherapy. In effect, when I wrote my first book in 1995, Le Manque, I, it was like sweat and blood. Um, it felt like I was really pushing hard a little bit in the way that, you know, childbirth is depicted in, uh, in, in um, entertainment, in films and, and books, where you have to push hard and there's a lot of pain, whereas it doesn't need to be like that at all. Um, the book that I, The Journey of the Slim Soul, which I mentioned as well, I wrote literally in four weeks and it was absolutely effortless. 
Now, I was very comfortable in that role of book coach because I didn't have to have the courage to talk about my psychic gifts, about intuition, about the business Akashic Records, none of that. I could hide behind my books almost. And I wasn't actually that visible as a person. I talked a lot more about books than I talked about myself. Now, my business asked me to change all of that in the summer 2018 by requesting uh, like it literally dried up my level of income through book coaching to push me to talk about business Akashic Records. And the moment I was brave enough to leave my zone of competence to get into my zone of genius, which is how to look at any situation through the eyes of source or um, a higher perspective, then my business started to take off in a way that I didn't expect to do. So I have a question for you that comes from the book again, is can you imagine being happy and successful most of the time? And as Gay says, it's okay not to feel that it's possible. So you need to learn to get out of your own way. Um, when you step into your zone of genius, which is what we need to do in order to reach our, our ultimate level of success, we have to leave our ego at the door. And the ego is not just the you know, um, feelings of grandeur or things that people associate normally with narcissists. Ego is also, uh, can be covered. It can be, you know, fear. It can be wanting to stay small. It can be doubt. It can be not believing in yourself. Um, so in your zone of genius, you're going to have to take some risks and risks that you've never taken before and risks that are not going to be you, you have no guarantee on the outcome. And this is very similar to actually embracing your intuition because I've talked about that many, many times. And Gay very often quotes uh, Fritz Perls uh, with this quote, fear is excitement without the breath. Uh, interestingly enough, he's a big, um, a, uh, what do you say, a, a big fan of breath work, which I haven't done too much myself. So this is something I'm willing to look and explore and, and um, be open to learn uh, in the coming weeks. So if you imagine being happy and successful most of the time, you might feel guilty about that feeling. And that's why you will think of something back to get yourself down. Okay. You will be afraid of the unknown because even if the unknown is happiness and success, it's unknown and you don't know if it's actually safe. So Gay talks about the trip, right? So if you think about a level of happiness, your upper limit, if you go past that level, you'll have a trip that brings you down. And he get, gives loads of examples. Um, this is where I want to talk about um, his main example of uh, upper limit. And it's Bill Clinton. I don't know if you remember. He had an infamous affair. Well, it wasn't really an affair. He was just having sex. It was a sex scandal. And it was like he had reached the ultimate level of success. And then he acted completely stupidly and had an affair. Um, it's a little bit, I suppose, like Boris Johnson, who had huge parties last year when he was recommending to everyone that um, they don't have any parties and don't even see, um, you know, he people weren't um, allowed to attend funerals or to go to, uh, you know, visit their loved ones at Christmas. And he was having massive parties at uh, Downing Street in the meantime. So this is the same kind of profile. You've reached insane levels of success. Being a prime minister is pretty or a president is the ultimate, I suppose, level of success unless you become a CEO or a legend. 
and um and yeah they they tend to do stupid things that's their upper limit at at work so maybe we can feel a little bit more compassionate towards them because it's a completely natural uh, mechanism that helps us um get away from something that can feel dangerous so what can it look like it can look like you being robbed having an argument with your spouse becoming ill getting a speed ticket and as i said even having a car accident that's really that's happened to me it's usually in another area where you reach your your new level of success so if you reach a certain level of success with money it might be in your home that you're going to have a problem like an argument or maybe um, you will worry about your children if it's in your relationships that you finally reach suppose you had really rubbish relationships uh, maybe gone like me through two marriages and then you meet someone um, really nice you finally feel that you've made some progress in your self-development that you can be in a healthy loving relationship then maybe it's your business or your job that's going to suffer or it could be your health uh, you could suddenly have a disease or an illness or um, or maybe just have a bad cold that's probably the best option and the reason is they're um, gay and I want to say here, the reason why I, I think Gay is an authority to speak about all this is that he has um, studied psychology um, to PhD level. He was a professor and he taught uh, for years. Uh, I think it's at the University of Colorado. Um, so he has a lot of um, clout to talk about these psychological aspects and and you can see how it's really important for us as entrepreneurs to look into that and to understand how this works so that we can avoid constantly sabotaging ourselves okay so the four hidden bar barriers to success which are based on false beliefs but they're nevertheless uh, very, very strong is one that we're fundamentally flawed. And that's something that people who with imposter syndromes um, suffer from all the time. People who suffer from imposter syndrome can be incredibly successful. It doesn't have any um, relationship with your level of success. In fact, I remember reading that Meryl Streep, when she got like her 10th or whatever award as an actress, still wondered why she got all these awards because she thought she was an absolutely rubbish actress. So, but but that didn't, um, you know, nobody else thought the same way as she did. And yet she had this, this deep rooted belief that she was fundamentally flawed. I don't know how she tripped herself. I would be quite interested actually to hear some stories. The second hidden barrier is disloyalty and abandonment. Now I know, for example, as a child, I was considered to be the most successful of my parents' children. I have two siblings they had tested us for our IQ and I ranked the highest. So my parents always expected me to succeed, uh, but I knew this was dangerous for me because then that meant that my brother and sister would resent me. And so I try to keep a low profile and I never really worked very hard when I was in school. I barely made it. Um, well, one of, one of the reasons this was because I was incredibly bored in school. Nothing really stimulated me enough. Um, because my parents had decided not to put me in a gifted school um, for children. A, a, no, a, a school for gifted children, sorry. 
but it was also because it wasn't safe to be you know above my peers or above and of course you probably know if you've had a high IQ or were quite successful in school or at university I mean I suppose at university not so much but in school definitely if you you're considered the nerd and and you're bullied if you are above average uh, and if you're doing quite well so, but that can also be overshining your own parents, you know, um, maybe you break an unspoken rule or you don't meet the expectation of your parents. The third hidden barrier is belief that more success brings a bigger burden. And we've touched upon that briefly already. And then the fourth is the crime of outshining. Okay. Um, so, it was quite interesting because with my sister, we were in this sort of competition where I was incredibly successful in my career and she wasn't. But then I had a rubbish love life, whereas she has been happily married to her husband now for um, decades. So it's almost like, OK, well, we're not going to do all of it because we need to leave some sort of um, something for other people. We can't have it all. Because if we have it all, we almost commit, it's like we commit a crime. So there's, there's several ways that we can spot the upper limit that um, Gay talks about. I, I really encourage you to read the book, though, rather than listening to this episode only, because he has so many lovely stories that he adds that illustrate his point. But basically, your upper limit can manifest as worry, criticism, blame, deflecting compliments. This one had me giggling because I was a lawyer and amongst lawyers, that's something that people do all the time. Like it, it was, I didn't even realize I was doing it and that other colleagues were doing it until I read the book. Uh, you know, someone would tell you, oh yeah, you've done really well in this case and say, oh no, that's nothing. Uh, and he gives the example of uh, when people play golf and, and uh, they do a good shot and they keep on, on deflecting compliments. Uh, so arguing with other people, getting sick or hurt, or not keeping agreements. So these are the typical ways that you can sabotage yourself when you've reached your upper limit, right? Um, what I know for sure, which is something that uh, Gay touches upon as well in his books, is that the presenting problem is rarely the real issue, right? So if you have an argument with your spouse, this might not actually be the problem at all. As I said, it might be your upper limit because you're trying to lower your level of success. So it's important to take a step back and ask your higher self almost, what exactly is happening here? What am I doing? Um, he, um, Gabe mentions the example of a professor who had found another job and at his current job that he wanted to leave, or he was in the process of leaving, but he couldn't yet bring his resignation in because he hadn't signed all the papers. Uh, every year he had to do a presentation about what he was excited to do in the following year. And because he was conflicting about, conflicted about doing this, he had a massive laryngitis. I think our body is very, very clever at finding these solutions to get us out of you know, um, difficult situations. But the main question that Gay asks in his books is, are you really doing what you're meant to do? You know, in a way, if you're meant to write a book, but you never write the book, 
it could be because of your upper limit or fears of success, but it's a way that you don't have to actually face failure. Because not writing the book, you're kind of keeping that dream alive without ever touching it. Whereas when you start writing it, that's when it becomes more real that you could be a rubbish writer or that your book will never make it anywhere or that it will be a complete flop. So sometimes we avoid actualizing our full potential because we're afraid of the, the risks that we take in, in, the, in the process. And just a quick note that, you know, most of us are rubbish at writing books and it's a skill that can be acquired. You're not born an author. You make yourself an author and you become an author the day that you commit to your writing practice, okay? And I feel that's important to say this because I still have quite a, a lot of VIPs that work with me that have books in them that's related to their own business. And I want you to understand that um, even the most successful authors, and Gay actually mentioned that in the interview I was listening to over the weekend, is that um, the first draft is always awful and it always will need a, a lot of work to put right. But there's one thing that happens when you finally pluck up the courage to be in your zone of genius is that you never feel that you're working right? And that's exactly how I feel when I, I work in my business. It never feels like works. It feels like so much fun. So once you commit to living in your zone of genius, now and forever, as Gay invites us to do, we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. What do I most love to do? And that's to discover what is our zone of genius. So for me, I know I'm pretty clear that the thing that I'm the best at is to looking at situations from a higher perspective. I call it uh, looking through the eyes of angels. What work do I do that doesn't feel like work? Well, when I'm doing client work, it doesn't feel like work. It really feels, and at the start, it felt like I didn't feel it was fair that I should be paid for something that didn't feel like work because in my days as lawyers, work felt like work. Even though I enjoyed it, it felt like work. Um, you know you're in your zone of genius when, you, what you, when it produces the highest ratio of abundance and satisfaction, okay? And it, when you know what your unique ability is. Now, that's something that he explores in his latest book, The Genius Zone, and I'm going to review this book as well, as I mentioned before. But this book, uh, The Big Leap, is more about you becoming aware of what the upper limit is and how important it is to get to, into your zone of genius. And I think the, the Genius Zone is more of a manual on how to get there. So he encourages us to use what he calls the ultimate success mantra. Every day, I increase my capacity for love, prosperity, and health, okay? He also talks about the enlightened no, because once you get into your zone of genius, you have to say no to everything else that is, doesn't fit in there. And it's actually quite difficult. I know that I was raised in a family where people resented being asked something if they had to say no, because they felt uncomfortable saying no. So instead of owning their own position, they resented the person that asked them for something. So little by little, I actually stopped asking for what I wanted because I knew that it was not well received. So it's been a huge journey for me to learn how to say no gracefully 
and even to get to the enlightened know that Gay mentions. But I also absolutely love his take on it um, because it helps you to be really clear on what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do and to give a no to the person that is a no that is full of value. How can you say no to someone and be full of value? Now, I know I pitched this, um, I pitched, um, oh, what is his name? Oh, gosh, I'm so bad. Seth Godding to come on the podcast, uh, just as I pitched Gay. And Gay said yes, and Seth said no. Uh, and the way Seth said no, he said, you know, I, I really um, admire you for your leadership skills, because I talked a bit about what this podcast is about but it's really not my thing. So it wasn't like just, no, I'm not going to do it, or like not even answering me. He sent me an email and he took the time to explain why we weren't a good match. And that is so empowering. So you're going to have to learn to say no and get out of your comfort zone um, you know, and stop being a people pleaser because that is not going to serve your zone of genius. And the last thing that he talks about is actually something that makes me really smile uh, is what he calls the Einstein time. And I think it stems from um, something that he read in Einstein's diaries uh, when Einstein was asked how to explain the theory of relativity to young children. And Einstein said, well, a minute spent on a stove, a burning stove, can feel very different from a minute that you spend with your loved one. So when you're in pain, a minute can feel like an hour, whereas when you're with a loved one, a minute can feel like a second. And of course, that's a brilliant way to explain relativity. But I want to add a dimension to this, even though it's not in the book. And maybe we'll be talking about that with Gay uh, when he comes on the podcast on the 7th of February. Is that for me, the Akashic Records energy, the energy of the Akashic Records expands time. So times no longer exist. You're almost like in a different zone where things can be done in a completely different way. Um, like in a fraction of the time than what other people do. And you feel good. And you have all the time in the world, even though you might only have an hour, it's enough to do all the things that you have to do. Whereas if you used your mind to try and measure whether do you have the time to do what you have to do, you probably would say to yourself, I don't. So you have to set aside your ego. You have to step into the energy. And that's something that I teach my VIPs. So if you're interested in learning about this, please reach out. That means when you use Einstein time or the Akashic records is there's no more rushing, there's no more worrying and there's no more stress. And I think that's, that's really a beautiful gift. So I hope you've enjoyed my review of The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. I think it's a very valuable book that I have read again and again. And every time I read it, I get more from it. And it's very important for us, for anyone who wants to break through a barrier um, in their life of something that maybe um, has been imposed by their ancestors or by patterns or anything like that so that because you want to reach a new level of success or happiness or contentment or whatever it is so I just recently found out though that Gay's book is no longer available as a paperback which um, really really upset me um, so if you want to buy his book, 
um, you have there's an audible version and there's a Kindle version. And if you want a paperback, you, you will have to buy it secondhand, okay? I mean, that's not an issue. I think the, the audio uh, version is, is the best. And, of course, the Kindle edition is now super cheap. It's at £299 um, on, I'm talking about Amazon, because that's where I very often go. Uh, and as I said at the start of this um, podcast, it, he's the one that narrates this book, whereas I don't think that's the case for his other books. So go ahead, go and listen to it. It will help you uh, overcome your own tripwire to success. And I would love to hear any aha moments you've had from listening to this podcast or from reading the book. Please come into my Facebook group um, called The Intuitive. No, that's my group, my, my, my page, sorry. Um, which is called Intuitive Revolution for Brilliant Entrepreneurs to share whatever you want to share or story around what I've discussed today on the podcast. Um, I thank you for listening to this episode to the end and I'll see you again next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe Give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.